Well, hello to our Loudwater Outfitters community out there. Hope you're all having a great start to the week. Thank you for taking the time to stop by. On this week's episode, we're going to revisit one of the first cases Loudwater got involved in, the Braden Rose case. That, that was a pretty difficult one. I know it was very difficult for the uncle who was involved in this. A lot of things we did and what ended up coming about, the tragic part of it, even though it's some closure. It's still a very difficult case for them to deal with, for us to think about, but I thought it'd be a good idea to talk about it. You still need to raise awareness in these type of situations and just bring these things out in the open to where, you know, it, it doesn't matter and it doesn't change no matter what the outcome is. I thought it'd be something good to talk about. So again, thank you all for taking the time to stop by and join the show. You're listening to and watching the Loudwater Outfitters podcast, hosted by myself, the Pomata Sleuth. So again, thank you all for joining. Like I was saying, you know, we're going to talk about the Braden Rose case. Uh, I remember that's one of the first things that we did, one of the first things that I got involved with, helping him out a little bit on some things. We ended up talking a lot with the uncle, Jason. He reached out to us. I know he has some frustrations and aggravations going, kind of hitting a lot of brick walls with local law enforcement and things. He, uh, And this is, you know, kind of something, kind of a special situation for him because he ended up more or less being the one involved in Braden's life the last few years of his growing up after he lost his mother and his grandmother. So he, he kind of looked out for Braden a lot. He watched over him, tried to help him through life and through different things. So I know this has been a very, very difficult thing for him. So... So Braden, he ended up, he was obviously the son of Jason's sister. They ended up moving to the Avery County area. He was going to, I guess it was a few years after his mother passed. He was going to, uh, ended up living with his grandmother. But then she ended up passing also. So... Let's see, because the mother died in 2013, and then, well, four years later is when the grandmother passed. So, I guess he he wanted to be around where his grandmother was after his mother passed. He wanted to be around his uncle with family, which is the Avery County area. So, trying to get close and be around family, being involved, that type of thing. He... uh, I do know now say that he was very much involved in school, that he did very well with school, had very good grades, didn't get in trouble, fights, things of that nature. He was just an all around well liked young man. Uh he now I do remember because he he went to college, I think it was East Tennessee State. He went for like a semester. So all that area, you know, is not far from his. I know the I think the uncle lives right around the Virginia line, somewhere right around there. But between there where Braden's girlfriend at the time was living somewhere, I think near the Asheville area, then you got East Tennessee where that school was, Elizabethton, Tennessee. All this area is not far, all in the mountains, but it's not, all, not too terribly far from each other. So he wanted to be a lawyer from what we understand. One of the things he started to go to school for, but then he and his girlfriend ended up she ended up getting pregnant and they had his daughter, so he decided the best thing to do and the right thing to do was he was going to stop school and find himself a job to help support. So, you know, just doing the right thing. 
and started doing that. Uh, not sure what he started off doing, but I do know he uh, ended up taking this job. And I remember him, his uncle telling us about this something. I've got it. I've got it listed here somewhere. I got a few notes I make. I pulled up right here. Clean Star International, that's what it was. So he had gotten a job with them. They're out of Georgia, but they do a lot of maintenance cleaning, maintenance work cleaning, probably you know, just like large manufacturing facilities or just large, might even be like, I don't know, kind of like warehouses, things like that. A lot of stuff, a lot of work he did was on those little like high, those little jacks that lift you way up high and you can drive them, that type of thing. So he did a lot of, a lot of that type of work, but he traveled a lot. So, and I, if I remember correctly, I think his uncle was talking about where he was wanting to build towards starting his own business. So, again, if he might not have been able to do what he wanted to do with the lawyer thing, he was thinking ahead, was doing this and thinking ahead on some way to start his own business. So, I mean, he was on the right track, entrepreneur, trying to put himself in a position to do better, do better for himself or his daughter, that type of thing. So, definitely had a good head on his shoulders. Uh, but back this past year, 2022, in October, he had a job or took a job down, uh, or was working a job, I'm sorry, in the Jacksonville, Florida area. And this is where it all gets kind of dicey. He, uh, so he checked into a hotel around October 5th and checked out the very next day, the 6th, which I believe would have been a Friday. Because he was coming home. That's the whole thing that the uncle knew, that he was coming home, that he would be passing through right into, like, the Asheville, North Carolina area, right around there to get his daughter. He's going to have his daughter for the weekend. So, and, and, and let me touch on this, too. This is one thing that was reiterated and made known very well, that the uncle and the nephew, that they stayed in touch with each other all the time. He always knew where he was, where he was going, what he had going on, those type of things. He never not spoke with or texted his nephew every day. There was always some type of contact. So he knew what was going on. He knew where he would be heading to. And like just like this case, he's leaving Florida. He knows what day he was leaving. He'd be leaving that morning, and he was headed all the way to Asheville to get his daughter. So he knew all those type of things, and that was a constant thing between them. So if he didn't get any kind of contact for a certain amount of time, then he knew there could be an issue. So he left that morning. He ended up texting his uncle a few times. I think one time it was, I think, need to borrow a few bucks, I'm assuming probably for gas or something. But then there was another one about that he was not coming back to Jacksonville again, basically didn't like it, not going back anymore, so... Of course, now, looking ahead after everything that happened, we wonder what happened for him to not like it there. Did, he, did something bad happen, come in contact with somebody? Some, who, you know, a lot of things to think about there as to what caused him to not want to be back there and then what ultimately ended up happening to him. There was also another text to his uncle about that he felt this car, knew this car or vehicle was following him. So, again, it leads back to the same thing of what happened in Jacksonville, that he didn't want to go back again. He didn't like the place. Now there's a vehicle following him, and maybe 
maybe about halfway home is where he ended up disappearing. What was this vehicle? Who was it? Was it the issue he was having in Jacksonville? He was having some kind of an issue. And is that what ultimately caused his demise? So there's still a lot to think about and wonder there. Has anybody been able to find out anything? Because we, we haven't been able to hear any more or find out any more about it. But October 6th, that was the last known contact anybody had with Mr. Braden Rose. It was found out. They talked with whoever the, uh, the hotel that he was staying at, the, the night clerk, or maybe it was the morning day clerk. I spoke to him and do remember him checking out that morning. But then that was it. There was these few texts. And at one point, he did try calling his uncle. His uncle was just at a point in his job where he, he, just, he couldn't take the phone call. Obviously, as soon as he got to where he could stop for a moment, he was going to try to make contact with him, and then he couldn't. Now, again, this was October 6th. Now, ironically, finding out later, some traffic cameras in that area where his vehicle was last seen also, which was the Walterboro, South Carolina area, Colleton County area, is vehicle was caught on traffic cam. So don't know what he was doing, if he was just getting off the roadway, trying to find some gas or something, or was there a vehicle actually following? Who was somebody following? Was he trying to get off and lose them? Was he trying to figure out what's going on? You know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, wonders and a lot of speculation. There's what was going on and why. So that was it. We know October 14th was when the, the, the ex-girlfriend reported him missing back in Avery County. And there was some confusion or wonders as to why, he, why she was one that reported him missing and why it was in Avery County, because apparently he wasn't actually living there anymore. But that's more or less where he at least grew up his last few years, so maybe that's why I'm not really 100% sure. But I know, talking to him again, there was some confusion and wonder why it was done that way. Uh, so fast forward a few, a little bit more. That's when Mr. Rose contacted us, started looking into it, talking to him, getting a lot of information, and he had some information about a phone ping up in, well up in North Carolina around, oh, around the Raleigh-Durham area. There was a huge lake up there, and there was a phone ping, what looked like could have been like, like a boat ramp area. So, of course, he, he's probably thinking, he's kind of thinking the worst that maybe Maybe he's done something or what have you, not really sure. So anyway, got to talking to us, and we were going to go up there because, you know, we run a boat, sonar, that type of thing. So we were going to go up there, check it out, sonar, see if we can see if, you know, because his vehicle is missing too. Maybe somehow ended up in the water off the boat ramp or something to that effect. So that's something we were going up there to do. Obviously, we went up there. We ran sonar and lots of areas, ran a lot of areas, couldn't find anything, come up with anything. So ruled that area out. So moving forward, you know, we left from there. I know there was some contact on a regular basis back and forth between uh, Michael here with Loudwater and, and Mr. Rose, Jason, the, uh, the uncle. So then they started talking more. That's when they found out that the uh, – that the vehicle 
had been towed the day the last day they heard from his vehicle was on the side of the interstate october 6th found out late that evening i say late that sometime that evening the vehicle was towed by by the highway patrol found a vehicle just sitting there no one around it nothing around it nothing just sitting there high patrol stayed on top of this type of things because of safety issues safety reasons with traffic things of that nature Assumed it was broke down, abandoned, what have you. So they had it towed off of the uh, interstate to get it out of the way. Ended up in a in a tow yard, not too terribly far, I believe. So once that information got back to us, one thing Michael started thinking about is, you know, the area around it or the woods around it. Has anybody checked any of that area? Apparently not. So what ended up happening was he was actually getting everything together to go down that way. I think it was, I want to say he was planning on going that Friday, which would have been like the 18th, uh, November 18th. Because he had something set up with somebody who has a, uh, a cadaver dog. So they were going to go down and run that area just to see if there is anything or at least dispel and say that there wasn't. Well, the uncle ended up going down after speaking with him, and I understand he was just, you know, he, he's pretty upset. He's distraught. He's beside himself. You know, what has happened to my nephew? It's probably almost like his own kid. So he's worried about this. So he found out in talking with Michael what, what we were going to do, what he's planning on doing and where and all that. And he ended up going down there the day before. And unfortunately, exactly what Michael had been thinking, he walked right into the woods and found his nephew. Had been sitting there the whole time since the last known contact of October 6th. So unfortunately, the uncle was the one that ended up finding him and not the greatest of state. So now that leads to a few other questions. How did he end up over there? What were the circumstances behind it? Foul play, anything of that nature. It was stated that there was no foul play in the vehicle. Well, doesn't really matter at that point because the vehicle's contaminated and tainted because it's been towed. Probably two or three people have been in and out of it at the tow yard, moving it, what have you. So who knows? Who knows what could or could not have happened at that point. But, I mean, you still process the car, but it's just not going to get out of it what it should be or what you need because of the whole contamination thing. People been in and out of it, not knowing what's going on. But, again, that's... That's just how it is. But the other question arises, and the ones that I'm thinking of is, okay, if his body was not, and I, I'm not 100% sure if it was 50 feet, you know, 25, 50 feet, is, is less than 100 feet, I think, from where his car was sitting as to where the body was found. And I believe the uncle said he actually could smell. That's why he walked in that direction and found him. So... Now, now, I get the vehicle was towed the, the day of or within the day of the last known contact. Know what's going on. Yeah, that nothing like that's going to be going on, decomposition, smells, things of that nature. But with some of this stuff being reported, supposed to have been out there as a missing person, the vehicle, I'm assuming there was a breakdown in information getting to local law enforcement in the area about this man's missing and his vehicle was found on the side of the interstate and towed. 
I'm assuming there was a breakdown because I can't for the life of me understand why nobody, I mean, nobody with half common sense in the right mind, knowing that would not have gone to the area and searched the area. Just because it's caught, well, his car's gone, so ain't no sense. I mean, there's woods around there. I mean, who knows? There's always a chance of something being found, a piece of evidence, something you, you don't know. But from what I understand, nothing like that was done. Well, obviously, because the uncle found him, oh, my gosh, what, a, a month and a half later? That's, that, that's pretty bad, pretty bad that, it, that that's who found him and for what reasons, the hows and whys, that, that, that's pretty bad. That somewhere in there was a breakdown is what I'm assuming. Because, again, surely people weren't dumb enough to not have gone and checked it knowing that that vehicle was part of a missing person, the vehicle was found there and towed, well, nobody would go and, and check the area. So I, I, there's a breakdown there somewhere that was, that was pretty poor, in my opinion. But now, moving forward, has anybody gone back, obviously knowing that there could be foul play or there was foul play, there's something going on, something wrong, these were the things that he texted to his uncle. Then his vehicle's found, quote-unquote, abandoned. Then his body's found a month and a half later where his vehicle was. So has anybody gone back and looked at the traffic cams? I mean, was he only found on the one? And is that all you see, just passing through, passing by, whatever, and that's it? Did anybody check any, any vehicles that may have come up behind him for, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds up to a minute after he passed? to see what type of vehicles come by. Has anybody ran checks on those vehicles? Any of those vehicles from the Jacksonville, Florida area? Any of those vehicles from the North Carolina area, the two or three places that he went to regularly in North Carolina or Tennessee? Would anybody check to see if there was plates from that those areas? So, I mean, I think you understand what I'm saying is anybody go back and check those type of things. I haven't heard anything about it, so don't know if anything like that happened. But obviously... Something happened to him. Something had him concerned enough to say that he felt he was being followed, that he wanted to get out of the area that he was in. There was something going on. So to me, that there's enough there to raise enough suspicion that, hey, you know, we need to look, we need to look at all avenues here because there's a very good chance some type of foul play is what occurred here. We need to figure this out. Not saying that nothing has been done, but again, I'm just wondering where – Anything like that? Did anybody do any of that type of checking? Anybody go back or talk to anybody in the Jacksonville area around the hotel? Was there anybody hanging around that area? Check the camera systems around the hotel. See anything out in the parking lot? An exchange between him and somebody else? Vehicle? Anything of that nature? Vehicle might be same vehicle behind him in a traffic camera in South Carolina. I mean, anything like that. Don't know. Haven't heard anything. Haven't seen anything in any type of update articles, anything that I've looked at. But those are the first couple of things that come to mind that I would think of as anybody checked all those type of things. Because like we always say, and in, you know, almost every case that there is out there, you know, you know something, say something. So that being said, there's almost always somebody that knows something, that has seen something, or overheard something, what have you. There's somebody out there that knows 
what's going on or, or what went on with this situation. It's just a matter of the right person coming forward with the backbone to say, tell, or this getting to them for them to realize, oh, crap, I, I know about that, or I know who that is now, or I heard about that, and saying something. It would really be nice. would really be nice. I know that the uncle, I know he has struggled and dealt with this very difficultly. Because although that was his sister's son, I, mean, I know there's no doubt they still looked at him as his son after his sister, and then the mother, his mother passed away, or the grandmother. He looked out for him. His nephew looked up to him, looked to him when he needed things. He was the one that he was always there to talk to, help each other, all those type of things. I know this is a very difficult thing for for the uncle to, to have to deal with. And, you know, man, I hate to bring this up, but you got to stop and think, too, is, you know, now – you know, this, the, the little girl, you know, her dad's not around anymore. She's not going to have that. All the things that are going to be missed. And I guess that's just what gets so frustrating with, with this type of stuff is these people that go missing, you know, these fathers, mothers, or those that are murdered, same thing, you know, fathers, mothers, you know, what have you. The, the things that the rest of the family miss out on that a lot of us, you know, take for granted every day that, that we've been able to do them or we've experienced them. But they're not going to get to do it. And, or in that case, you know, that daughter's not going to have that dad there to do these things with, to, you know, experience her first father-daughter dance or being a cheerleader or maybe playing sports or, you know, the first date and, he probably about to have a connection fit that she's, you know, out on a date with a boy or something. <laughs> but all those type of things, you know, and we, I won't say we take it for granted, but it kind of falls under that, you know, if it doesn't affect me, don't think about it type of thought process. But in this situation, you know, this isn't affecting us or this hasn't happened to us and you don't stop and think of, again, all of the tragedy and the aftermath that comes with it. There's so many different things and people that it that it affects, and you know that's the sad thing here. Is she's just she's just a young little she's a young little girl. Is not going to have him around as she grows up and experiences all these new and first things. And I'm sure that's probably something that you know the uncle deals with a lot too, thinking about those type of things. Sure, he was probably, you know, involved with his own kids too, so as an uncle. So that there's that, you know, look at that, affects them too. And there's so much of that that happens in these type of situations. Now, we're talking about, or what I mentioned there in the beginning, that even though there was some type of closure, physical closure, the issues with this, yeah, unfortunately... Braden was found. He was deceased, but he was found. So there's more, no more of the missing and wondering where could he be, what happened. But it just opens up a, a whole new chapter of now what did happen to him, who did this to him, what were the reasonings behind it. And that's almost just as bad or worse. 
to, to deal with all of that, no one being brought forward to, if there was something, if there was foul play, something illegal, something bad happened, waiting for something to be done with that. I haven't heard anymore. I don't know what the situation is, but it, a little fishy to me. I, I have several questions and thoughts on all of this. But, you know, again, that this whole family and moving forward is now they're just – it's a whole new plane that they're on now, having to deal with now, again, what has happened to him and why and who, who did it if something was done to him. That whole situation, that whole issue, and it being in a whole other state, if that's where maybe all of this derived from, then that just creates more problems and issues on trying to get answers, on trying to figure things out, reaching out to people, you know, connecting, uh, you know, keeping them up to date, what have you. I haven't heard any more about what happened with the autopsy, but, you know, I'm wondering if there was something going on or somebody was after him or something of that nature and it was in Florida. So then, you know, there's that whole aspect of it having to go that way to figure out who, what, when, where, why, and how to be investigated down there. So now you're just adding that on top of already what they're dealing with. And do you see what I'm saying here? You see where I'm going with this. It's just more and more just, you know, heartache, aggravation, more questions, no answers, more concerns and worries. And that's something I hadn't really thought of much in doing all this when we're just talking about, you know, these families just wanting to know what happened to their family member. Where are they? Well, now fast forward to this and now kind of looking at it in a, in a different light of, well, th- th- they've got their family member. They were able to get that closure, but now it's a whole different can of worms opened up. Why, why did this happen? What happened to him? Who did it? All those type of things. So it's just as bad, I guess you could say. So I guess what I'm trying to say, if you see my whole point here, is it doesn't make, it doesn't get any better. Some, sometimes closure doesn't make it better. It just, it compounds it and, and I would say makes it worse. So my heart absolutely goes out to the Rose family and everything that they're dealing with. I hope, hope to goodness, that there are answers being looked for and found out there and that they get all this figured out because obviously something went on, something happened somewhere for him to end up in the state that he was in. And I hope they are able to get that type of closure because I I just can't imagine having to deal with this on top of knowing that, Looks like something probably happened to him and the whole whys of it all. And again, you know, doing this type of work, searching for people, sometimes it can lead to other avenues or or other situations, other things having to be looked at, and it can make it worse, it can make it better. It can complicate it more or compound the situation more can make it more difficult for the families, and that's where, and you kind of hear me talk about it some if any of you listen to my, my Palmetto podcast, but talking about how to deal with these situations, 
handle these situations, work with them, that type of thing. And I always keep talking about connection, networking and connection. And that's the same thing here is, you know, in these situations like this, they, they need to network, need to network with other people who have been in the same situation or similar. And you, you kind of work together to help each other work through these type of things, help each other deal with it help each other figure out how to make sure it doesn't happen to anybody else you know in the future and how to prepare your family, your your loved ones, your, you know, those that are close to you, to prepare them to not allow this type of thing to happen to them or to become a victim of something or what to do if they think something's going on, the, the signs to be aware of, to be on the lookout for. Because in this day and time, you, you have to think in those terms. You have to think in terms of being prepared for something bad to happen. And I think a lot of times we take things for granted because nothing happens to us or nothing happens to us directly or what have you. And you don't think about doing these type of things. But, but I'm telling you all, you, you've got to think in those terms nowadays because anything and everything can and will happen. We see these things every day, get contacts from people every day. Y you, y'all, y'all see these things out there. Y'all see them on the social media sites. You see them in the news. It's just, it's like a never-ending battle. It is a, as you've heard me say several times, it's, it's a quiet epidemic. This is so common every single day, the missing persons and the, the unsolved homicides, and sometimes those two together cross paths. And it is a very large number, very large number. I have no answer to stop any of it, to combat any of it, to make it better. I don't have the answer. But what I can say is you can prepare yourself. And I keep saying this, and I'll keep saying it and keep saying it until I'm blue in the face, is I think our best method is networking, networking with family, friends, co-workers, those you bowl with, those your kids play ball with or cheerlead with, your church groups, all of that stuff. But most importantly, the ones you're around and see on a very regular basis other than work, the community you live in, your neighbors. Even if you live out in the country, your neighbors a mile down the road. No different. I remember this growing up. And a lot of you around my age, kind of oldish, <laughs> you remember this. You know, especially during the summertime, you know, when you got up, threw your clothes on, headed out the door, you were gone all day. You didn't come home until the street light came on, if you guys remember that. And even then, a lot of times it was you come home to the general area, you know, like in front of the house, but you still hung out in the road or the ditches in front of the house. Until finally a parent come to the door and yelled at you to get your butt in the house. So you, you pushed it as long as you could. But the point I'm making is how many of us, as we were growing up in the late 70s and throughout the good old 80s, <laughs> ran around the neighborhood like that? Gone all day. No one worried about it. No one thought about it. But do y'all remember one of the big things that, that happened or was commonplace? And that was... Other parents in the neighborhood, or maybe there were some people, like in our neighborhood, there was this particular couple, they didn't have kids, but 
they were a part of the community. We were, they were a part of all of us and our families and our kids. We all just intertwined with each other. We were over their house a lot because he was always building, you know, an old hot rod or something. So everybody knew where everybody was. Everybody knew who you were hanging out with and where you went. And somewhere in there, one of us kids told one of the parents that, hey, you know, we're going up such and such's house. So if the other parent come out yelling for you, you didn't answer. I mean, honestly, it was nothing for the parent that did know to step out the door. Excuse me, I scratched my face there. So, hey, you know, John and such and such are up at such and such's house. Oh, okay, cool. Know where he is. And if it's something important, then the parent got in the car and drove up and said, hey, you know, come on, we, we've got an appointment. we got to go do this. Or, well, at least I know where he is. Okay, cool. It was that whole network thing. All the kids and, and the parents in the neighborhood, they, they, they spoke to each other at some point in time, once or twice a week. Everybody knew each other. Everybody knew each other's kids, their parents, what have you. And they all knew where you regularly hung out or who you hung out with, where you went, and more or less pretty much knew how you went back and forth. Now, that's what I'm saying now. This is no different. Is networking, networking with your neighbors, family, coworkers, anybody and everybody that you have some type of regular contact with, that kids or other family members that you're concerned about have contact with, or they have other kids too, family members, what have you, however this, however the situation is. But you all know each other's situation. You all know each other as far as who goes where, when, what, where, how, all those type of things. And it's that whole network thing. So if and when something happens, everybody, you know, can kind of jump up and jump in. Well, hey, I, you know, they should have went this way. Or, hey, I saw them here. I saw them there. May not be the exact answer or, or the, the problem solver, but it gives you somewhere to start or somewhere else to look or go or what have you. And who knows, that might be the difference, might be the clue, what have you. That's the point that I'm trying to make here is that whole networking thing helps a lot. And that's what you've got to work out with the people involved that you know need to be involved in this to, to kind of combat, I guess you could say, to, to, to prepare for it, to have a plan in place, to know what to do in the event something happens. Or at the very least, you just at least know where your child or your grandmother is, your husband, wife, or, or, or whatever, or next-door neighbor, you know, hey, have you seen such and such? Yeah, I saw them over here. Everybody's aware and knows. Some people might say, well, I don't want everybody knowing my business, but this isn't knowing business. This is just communicating and, I guess you could say, kind of having a plan in place or what have you. Just everybody know and understand and aware and, and the reasonings why. Because quite simply, as we all know, and as a lot of you newer to this are learning, we do not live in the nicest of worlds right now. There's a lot of bad going on out there. So unfortunately, you have to plan for these type of things, be prepared for these type of things, and know how to deal with it or react to it and do the things you've got to do to protect or find, make aware, what have you. So I think it's something that can work. I guess a lot of it is going to rely on trying to get other people involved in it. Hopefully they'll understand 
why you're doing it, the reasonings, and it's not that hard. It's not that difficult. I mean, everybody's got a dog on cell phone, so smartphone. So at the very least, nobody wants to physically connect. Then at least you know, hey, you know, little Johnny's coming over. All right, cool. At least do that. But you got to do something to put that networking in place, to put a plan in, into action in the event something were to happen. That's what I'm trying to say. So just something to think about. You know, again, with this Braden Rose situation, the whole point is just trying to raise that awareness of anything and everything can happen to anybody in this day and time. You just don't ever know. That awareness here in this situation is where he was coming from. There was definite confirmation of from the clerk that he was there, that he checked out. So were there cameras, any other cars, people around him that morning, maybe sometime during the night? The, the, the traffic cameras picking him up in Walterboro, South Carolina. Did anybody check those, see if there are any familiar vehicles? Checking them against the cameras in Jacksonville, that hotel, anything of that nature. You know, the, the, the whole thing to, to raise awareness about here, I guess what I'm trying to say is, one thing that we've seen a lot of is is cameras. And that seems to be the one thing a lot of places don't really check. Or they feel it's too late, not going to be anything, or too many to check. Whatever the reasoning is. And quite a few times we know that probably could have derived a pretty good piece of information out of those things. Someone had just done it right then and there and just thought of it. You all know, we all know, just about anywhere and everywhere you go, there's a doggone security camera somewhere. You just about can't pass through a neighborhood without them having at least a ring doorbell camera. You just about can't pass any kind of a business, especially any type of a gas station, convenience store, anything of that nature not having some type of security systems, town halls, public, or I say public, government buildings, fire departments, uh, rescue squads, or EMS, any of that stuff having security systems, camera systems. And just about anybody that's got, you know, uh, expensive or high-end items, anything of, you know, pretty high value within their business, whatever the building is and whatever the business is, I guarantee they're going to have security systems. And just for the simple fact, they're so much cheaper than they used to be. They're so easy to buy because of the internet. They're so easy. I mean, just like the Blink system, so easy to use those things, just a couple screws, put them up there, and they, everything's connected through uh, the internet, through wireless. And they have very good picture quality. That stuff's so easy to put up now, so easy to hook up and run, and so much cheaper than they were even just five, ten years ago. There's a good chance there's some type of security camera system somewhere, just about anywhere and everywhere you go. So that would be the first thing, if I was in law enforcement in these type of situations, that would be the first thing you need to do is just start, you know, looking the area and, and pulling camera systems. If they're not going to freely give it to you, then, you know, Okay. I know it's a lot of work, a lot of hassle, but, you know, talking to a judge to see if it's possible to get a warrant, a search warrant to draw that because, I mean, that could have a crucial piece of information. 
but more than likely, just simply going and talking to them and explaining to you what, what, what you have, vehicle may have passed by, this person may have walked by, I just need to see if they were, and if there was anything following them, anybody behind them, or if they were running from something, what have you. More than likely, most people are going to, yeah, no problem, and get things figured out. So I guess the point I'm just trying to make is you don't know unless you ask or try, and most of the time, no one's going to disagree with it. They understand you're just trying to do your job. But more often than not, we don't see this. And we see so much of it skipped over, missed. You know, we, we look at reports and read the case files or read, these pa- read this paperwork, and there's nothing in there about checking all these camera systems. And in a few instances, we've ridden around and checked the area, and it seems like you know every other building has some type of a camera system. Now, I get it. Maybe a couple of years ago they didn't, but I can guarantee you several of them did in some way, shape, or form, so it's still worth doing. But I think a lot of complacency sets in, a lot of who the person is that's missing or the situation is about. I think sometimes that type of stuff plays into it or factors in where you're not going to worry about it or put as much effort into it, however you want to word that. And just some of the basics are done, and then it's move on to the next thing. So that, that's a shame that, that it's like that a lot, but unfortunately that, that, is, that is something that happens. So again, I hope some of you found this interesting. I hope it raises some eyebrows and awareness and the thought process to think about your situation, your family, your, your neighborhood, your neighbors, what have you, the kids, all of that to reach out to speak with each other, talk to each other, and you know, casually kind of bring this type of stuff up and the ideas of networking or having some ideas or plans in place with each other to take care of each other and take care of each other's kids. So I think it's a good idea. I think it's something we need to push more and more, and, hey, if it helps in one situation, then it's worth doing. So just, just some food for thought. hope it gives you some things to think about and look into Maybe champion, get involved in, be a part of even, you know, you heard of the good old-fashioned neighborhood watch. This is kind of the same thing. Get something like that going. I mean, we're talking about our children. We're talking about people's safety here, so it's, it's definitely worthwhile. So there's something to think about. Hope everyone appreciated this. I hope you all got something out of it. Hope you have a great weekend coming up. As we always say, you hear us say many, many times, If you know something, say something. And remember, keep your families close, and as always, stay safe. Thank you.